for the, the guest. And so I'm hopeful that maybe all of this dismantling, you know, we got to a bad place. Hopefully companies now will see the only way they're going to get great employees to come back is to really invest in them. So I'm hopeful that we return back to some of that original boot. Welcome to Lawler Out Loud, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Christy Lawler, and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in the world. And we hope to prove that every person has the power to make a difference and make an impact. Today's guest is Jane Portnoy. So first, let me thank you, Jane, for joining us to share your experiences and your ideas. Thank you so much for having me. It is really a total honor um, to join the voices in the industry that you've used your platform to give a lift to. So I'm really excited to be here. I've had two huge cups of coffee this morning. I am really excited. Oh my gosh, you're way ahead of me on the coffee. I'm still working on <laughs> cup number one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Long day already. Not even enough caffeine yet. Um, but I, I would, I, I personally, I admire you. I think you're an absolute genius. And I think you have a very, very beautiful soft heart. Um, and that's one of the things that I really admire about you. But I would love to learn the things that I don't yet know about you. So this can be anything from your background, your upbringing, your education. And I set out to, to sort of introduce or create friendships in two categories. One, in sort of the people that I wholly admire think they're doing brilliant things in the industry, just seem to be sort of a whole lot kick-ass, both men and women, and just feel like, you know what, getting to know them better would just be insightful and help raise my own personal bar. And then the other column is people that mm -hmm. I feel like have big hearts, you know, are great parents, just people that will raise my personal vibration. So... Again, I thank you for the earlier compliment, but I really believe that sort of I am a product of the people that I purposely put around me. And I don't know if you'll remember this, but I want to say it was now almost two and a half years ago, we bumped into each other in a Houston airport and I showed you my list because you were on it. And so I really do believe that, right? Yes. We, we were at the Polaris in Houston. Yeah. Yes, and I remember so that. I, I thank you again, but I, I think that's a really cool habit that I have. I certainly share it with anybody listening, but it's such a nice way to sort of. I love that idea. And I try to put you know strangers on there, um, so that I like purposefully have to follow them, find what panels they're speaking on, what events they might be at, so that I can give them the same compliment you gave me. Um, and it just it really does it raises your it sort of raises the stakes everywhere um and I'm, it's something i do every year um but so I, I really appreciate that compliment and i don't know what you don't know about me because i'm such a big blabbermouth and open book um but i certainly <laughs> would say from a career perspective um you know it's been equal parts kismet and then total hustle you know, when people say, oh, I've been really lucky to have this career, I always correct them and say, no, you're not. You work really hard to have it. And lucky things happen. Yeah. Um, but I started my career right out of college. Um, I actually went to college for the degree that I ended up 
using. So it does happen, people. Oh, that <laughs> does happen. <laughs> awesome. I used my I used my degree for like a whole minute. <laughs> yeah, so I went in. I went to college. Um, I got my degree in marketing, and then got sort of I wouldn't call it a master's, but like a at the time, just because sports marketing wasn't a master's program. Um, but then got a degree in sports marketing mm-hmm. and right out of college went to work uh, in Tampa, Florida for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, which again, at, you know, at nearly 20 years old, that you just couldn't imagine anything cooler or more exciting. Um, but it was really interesting. It was, a, a, you know, the team was not not great at the time. Um, as a matter of fact, we were pretty lousy, but mm-hmm. it was such a great way to cut my teeth on hospitality and marketing and trying to understand how to give sponsors the best potential relationship with the consumer and how to really maximize that because we had to work so much harder because our team was at the time lousy. Fortunately, I was there all the way through the Super Bowl. So we went from, you know, worst to first. And in that, ex- it was. <laughs> That's awesome. It was literally ex- when people say, like, why did you leave? Like, I sort of outgrew it at a certain point. You know, it, it does become Groundhog's Day because you have, you know, 20 games and 10 home games and two preseason. Like, it sort of becomes the same thing over and over again. But I also was just this, – this is where sort of luck and perseverance came through. But Outback Steakhouse um, was both our physical next-door neighbor, so their corporate offices were right next door to One Buck Plays. Um, they were also a huge yeah. partner. Mm-hmm. And I really admired she she wasn't I didn't have people illusions back then, but she was definitely on my list of people like that I wanted to hang out with was um the CMO at the time, who's still a dear friend. Her name's Nancy Schneid. And I just every time she walked in the room to negotiate with us, I learned more uh, and really just enjoyed mm-hmm. those experiences. And so when I had the opportunity to go work, at Outback Steakhouse, and again, I knew nothing about restaurants, so I almost think that's why she hired me, because I would come to every meeting with a completely different lens, and have then, since then, spent the rest of my career in hospitality on the F&B side. So I worked with Outback for 11 years, Mm -hmm. um, moving my way up through the ranks, and again, just got very, was fortunate, I would say this part is luck, that I came to work for a company not knowing at the time that really believed in the human culture they created. They were savvy, smart business men and women creating deliberate relationships with their consumers, but they also really cared about their people. And that was an unbelievable mm-hmm. experience to have, you know, in my 30s to my 40s um, with that company. Yeah, that was a very, that's a very unique thing back then. It wasn't as high it wasn't a high priority the, the internal culture as no, much really as it wasn't. is today I think what is even more insightful about that and I think you know again going back to the really lovely compliment you gave me is that you know those are some learned behaviors you know when you work for a company and a boss or people that believe in hearing you having you know all you know it's no rules just right but that was an internal mantra for our team that it really meant like whatever you need we mm-hmm. have your back we make it just right um and we were very clear that we were yeah. all there to make money but that we were there to make money so we could share it with each other and it was you know at that time the economy was not in a stable strong place either it you know eventually got worse but you know it was at a time where they could have chosen yeah. to invest in the product 
on the plate or the product in their restaurants and they invested in their people. And so I really had, you know, sort of the second opportunity to really learn what that meant. And so I think that in my career, yeah. as it's grown and evolved, um, I was very fortunate that as I became the VP of marketing of emerging, brand, of emerging brands, um, we had brands um, launching out on the West Coast, so I was able to move out here, and that's where my family is. So I now live just a few blocks away from my sister and her husband and two kids, and have been able to watch them grow up. Um, but when we were closing that office and moving everybody back to Florida, I decided to stay out here and to be really honest, Christy, when I went looking for other jobs and, you know, where else can I take my talents, it was really hard because there were so few uh -huh. companies, almost none, that really believed in that same corporate culture. I can work anywhere, right? Yeah. Like I can get a paycheck for, from anywhere. I know, I know. I really wanted to surround myself with people that had similar values. So that's how JPC came to be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people say, like, oh, you're so courageous for opening your own company. I really didn't do it out of desire. It was necessity to be able to stay true to the core values yeah. that Outback Steakhouse had taught me. And, you know, I ran into Chris Sullivan maybe three or four years ago, and I was laughing with him. I'm like, you sort of ruined me for life because there's no other company I'd really, you know, like, we drank the Kool-Aid for you. I don't know that I could drink it again for somebody else. Yeah. And I think that that's important especially where we are yeah. in our state of of place today it's 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 tough yeah right? COVID-19 our race relations you know what is happening in our on our planet yeah. it's not just in the United States is really starting to untether yeah. the relationship that we have both with our guest and our employee and I just you know I'm excited mm -hmm. for what the future can hold for a lot of companies if they start to reinvest in their people because that will be the better outcome. Thank you so much. You know, I first well, history, whatever it is that you want to share. Those are lovely that. things to say about someone. So one, it's so nice. You know, we don't often compliment other people. Um, and so thank you for saying that. And I will take it graciously. I also, um, I have a cool little habit. Every year, instead of setting resolutions, because I fail at those, otherwise I'd be a brilliant guitarist by now and speak fluent Spanish. I finally had to give up on resolutions, but I started making people-lutions, I'd say maybe five or six years. Well, honestly, I, I feel the same way because I've worked in a toxic culture and I've worked in a amazingly beautiful, healthy culture. And the difference in my personal level of productivity and my buy-in is day and night. And I know this about myself. If I don't feel valued or respected, I'm not going to put in the extra 120% effort that I gave every single day uh, working for Sydney Frank before they were Moss Jägermeister. Um, but working for Sydney Frank in those five and a half years, um, it was a very different experience than when it became Mast. Um, and I was absolutely in love with the way that we were treated as people because the reason Jägermeister soared to nearly 3 million cases on its rise is because of the way that the company treated the people. And so when I started my company, I knew exactly what not to do and what to do. 
because I'd worked in more toxic cultures than healthy ones, obviously, as unfortunately, most of us can, you know, have that experience. But I learned very well what to do, how to treat people, how to respect people. And, you know, it's, it's putting the people first. Like, as I'm growing my company and building my team, I'm looking for people that just want to put their stamp on something, want to learn and want to learn from me and then are willing to let me learn from them too. And so it's a total partnership that I like to create on my team um, because that is what I valued so much as an employee. So being the leader, I have to be the person I would want to work for. it's really critical now. You know, one of the things that um, JPC Consulting works on is culture training. And it is really interesting. I have two companies Mm -hmm. here in the Los Angeles area that we did big culture programs with. One didn't quite get it off fully off the ground. They had introduced it to their team and then COVID-19 hit. And then the other company um, had Um. had it in place for, I'd say, 18 months, maybe 24. And... Having to let go, it was painful. I I don't think there's an operator out there that didn't feel horrible having to let go their teams. But the way both of these companies reacted and they, you know, eat hourlies, like they refused to let go of their hourlies. They quickly oscillated to figure out how could we put them to work either in other extensions of our company, right? So one of the restaurateurs also owns a building development company. So like, they just rehired people to keep them around. And then as the, you know, the universe continued to pivot and then suddenly, you know, we were able to do to go and now we're open, you know, they didn't, they didn't really have to let too many people go. And now they've got, you know, bus boys and barbacks that are willing to become to go drivers. And, you know, that's the way we're going to be able to come out of this thing. And I just truly believe, you know, again, whether it's a, a credo or how you really feel in your heart is that, you know, we have to, you know, I'm probably stealing from Danny Meyer somewhere, but you have to sit around a table and be able to look folks in the eye that you really care about because that's the way your own business will ultimately thrive. And, you know, again, while I would love for this not to be happening to our globe and to our country, I do believe that it's putting Mm -hmm. some very definitive spotlights on the problems that we have and a great opportunity for companies to really affect to that. And, you know, I was reading a study the other day that I want to say it was in like, if it wasn't number one, it was number two, but the number two reason why guests are willing to return to restaurant or bars or, you know, places of hospitality was not because of the food or that they were tired of being home, but they wanted to return to the places that, where the operators took care of their employees. And I think you can sort of see that in like the win ad that's been running a lot. They don't talk about how they've made their hot yes. hotels safe or sanitary. They talk about the 1,500 meals they provided. The way they treated the their Las people. Vegas community, mm-hmm. the 3,200 employees that they didn't have to furlough. Or I, I'm making those numbers up, but you know, so I think. Like, oh, yeah, it was like 15,000. I just saw that and commercial. and I was like, wow, yeah, you're exactly. earning my business. And I think you're earning my business. You know, that's again, the way you treat that's people. That's where 
as a, as the industry, we have a strong opportunity to learn, um, and a much greater propensity to, instead of that top down experience as you were sharing earlier is just, you know, and maybe it's not bottom up, but somewhere in that middle leadership where you bring people to the, to your party Mm -hmm. because you want to learn from them and listen. And I think, you know, we didn't do a very good job. We just sort of said, oh, those millennials, they're, you know, we sort of poo-pooed them away. And we really now need to take an opportunity <laughs> to look at how powerful these next generations are and how different they engage. Yeah. And so it's just an exciting, it's a really exciting time to be in our industry. And then also a tough time because um, on the other side of my company, I, I started really a, a passion project called the pen to paper project and it really came out of this sort of over digitized over news cycle and not enough kindness there just seemed to be so much of that in you know both both in our workspaces as well as just online and everywhere we turn so I started this Mm -hmm. platform to get people to reduce their digital diets a little bit reconnect with a very old-fashioned habit um, and put connect pen to paper to, to use, you know, creatively curated mm-hmm. journaling to help them with the high levels of anxiety and depression and lack of creativity that we are sort of seeing coming out of this current workspace. Um, and I know, I know you're an avid writer, right? I believe you told me you're a big journaler or you keep a journal for your kids. Is that yeah. right? I know, I know right? <laughs> Whose show is it? No. Um, though the witty book, um, cause we've talked, we've talked about it and you've seen like, but I last meeting that I had before I flew home and got shut down for COVID, but it was with mm-hmm. my publisher and we came to the agreement and she gave me the marching orders of what to, what my book was going to do, what it was going to say. And, um, I just started writing. I got home and everything happened. And so I just took my computer to the woods uh, down by the river behind my house. And I just sat and wrote for hours and hours, day after day after day. And in two and a half weeks, I'd written my book um, because the, the words just flowed. But it's, it's working title is The Witty Book um, because it is my path from employee to employer to philanthropist to conference creator and network generator, right? So it's everything that brought me from like where I grew up to creating the Witty Group, which is obviously my passion, as you know. Um, I mean, my company has to stay in business so that I can keep doing Witty. Because <laughs> um, my company pays for right? Witty. You're a journalist or you're a reporter? Yeah, yeah I'm a former newspaper so reporter, yeah. what was yeah. it like writing... Yeah. For yourself, because again, the read so the pen to paper project was originally started when I removed yeah. myself from digital media and started writing letters to the people that like I was just blue thumbing and like, oh, your kids are so cute. And I was like, you know, what? I really need to reconnect with that person on a human level. Then mm-hmm. I came back to social media after being gone about two or three months and just asked folks if they felt the same way. And over 500 folks that I do feel this way. So I set out to write each and every one of them a letter with the promise that they write it forward. So everyone got a letter and a stamp. To be honest, some folks got a postcard. That was 583 yeah. letters is a lot. Um, 
Which, which is insane. But, I mean, you know, it was so cathartic and it was so enjoyable. Oh, yeah. That's what I, I should have said. Like, with your book, and I think a lot of people arrive to journaling because it's become very popular. I, you know, certainly look to capitalize on a, a trend, but I think people don't do it because they feel like I have to write something brilliant or clever or. No. Really yeah, don't. you don't. You just have to put your thoughts so down. Was it yeah. a really cathartic experience? Yeah, like I was, how did the what was like from beginning to end? It was. It was because I started with like the things that popped into mind first and then I fleshed it out and kind of created a timetable. And then I kind of started categorizing the chapters and then I would go back and go deeper in depth on certain topics. Because the whole idea is, it's my book, but it's going to be a collaborative effort because it is a book about positivity over adversity. Like no matter what life throws at you, you can overcome it. And every single person has overcome some challenge in their life, whether it's personal, physical, emotional, career, it doesn't matter. I want to tell those positive stories. So that's why I put it out to everyone in the witty group. I'm like, hey, Here's an interview sheet. If you pen the answers to this, I will ghostwrite your piece for you as a writer. So you don't have to be one. And you get to be a part of this really positive book. And, um, and then they each get their own chapter, which is really, really cool. Because it really highlights the strengths and the differences of the women in Witty. So, so that's why I'm so excited you know, about one, it. I love that you're giving a bigger platform but I also you know it's one of the things I love about this industry it's just a giant petri dish of inspiration you know and uh, I uh, oh yeah I love this saying so much I made it into a little baseball cap which says a lot about me but um every setback has a greater comeback and I'm not sure who said it I think it might have been Russell Wilson from the Seahawks yeah. he's like my favorite quarterback but you know we never like, if you go all the way back, even to, like, you know, when you were 8 or 10 years old, like, every time you fell down off your bike, it gave you the opportunity to be better at that thing. And so, well, no one loves yeah. setbacks, you, you know, and again, right now in, no. this, in this day and age, in this time, I'm just trying to possibly pivot. This is a big one. challenging. <laughs> but you will look. But setbacks are vital. I view them as total opportunities and I've fallen flat on my face so many damn times. I've lost count. I'm okay with that because the only thing that matters is that I kept going. I got back up. I waited for like my shame and humiliation to subside. And then I just moved on and did the thing, the next thing. And I think everybody that I know has done that in one way or another. And that's what's important about humanity. No matter how big, and this one's a doozy that we're globally facing, it's not the end. It's just the beginning of something different. Exactly. It's so, it's it, one, that's such a refreshing, you know, outlook on it. And I think, you know, in our industry, we have found ourselves probably making, <clears throat> I don't want to say this in a negative way, our stride level <laughs> forward is not, it doesn't have the same long gait as you're seeing in other industries. And I just think because for so long mm -hmm. it was steeped in different traditions, so it takes longer. But, you know, then you see companies like 
Uncle Nearest. This is a Black-owned um, bourbon yeah. company. Like, that sort of, I don't want to say it came out of nowhere because Fawn Weaver is, is a, a force to be reckoned with. But, you know, you see some great strides. Mm-hmm. You look at the members of her team that she's put on. Like, next to none of them have beverage experience, but she's completely recreated the wheel. And then you've got groups like Witty and... So, you know, again, like, I don't think our strides have been as long or as far, but we're making them. And I think that, like, with every sort of little, you know, again, what we said, with every, you know, time you fall down on your butt, it forces you to get up and see how you can move it forward. And I, I will say, you know, the pen to paper project, when I designed it, um, I designed it sort of for two outputs. One, corporate retreats, corporate wellness, you know, creating uh, that holistic, you know, checking that box for wellness inside companies and teaching um, leaders or their teams how to utilize that skill set for better communication, creative thinking, creative problem solving. And then the other side of it was to, you know, put people around the table doing the thing I love the most, the good cocktail, you know, as the the writing prompt. And I was working with the Lowe's and Kimpton and a, a other clients all throughout the country and then COVID hit so my whole platform was based on putting people together you know driving them to a venue and figuring out how to do this online like the very thing I was working again so I I do believe that like the pressure yeah I know it's not even reinventing yourself it's just what do we need now and what are we going to you know need moving forward I would certainly say that probably closer to the beginning of COVID, the workshops were a little bit heavier because we were all scared and a lot frightened and very emotional. And now I'm seeing this like really dynamic, empowering experience coming out of it. And, you know, the workshops are designed to be playful. So we're taking prompts Mm -hmm. that, again, don't, don't ask you to write about gratitude, but you know, maybe we rediscover your favorite stuffed animal in a whole exercise of how to get to better sleep. But it's a nice way to unlock mm-hmm. that piece of your brain that people don't have a tendency to allow to come forward because we're so busy being right brain and making the deal and signing the check and, you know, pitching the thing. And so it's just a really, it's been a really interesting experience to see how people are reconnecting. Yeah with themselves um and then i'm excited to share i'll share share this with you because it just happened last night but i'm also a huge advocate for the homeless in los angeles and so i'm going to partner with um la housing family housing um they are a huge Mm -hmm. group here in los angeles that helps um both take people off the streets and provide them with the tools they need to get into housing as well as they provide affordable housing throughout the state of California. Um, and they're about to open a brand new um, facility that will house only women, 85 women. Um, and we're going to start a pen pal project with LA Family Housing. So I'm really excited about that because it's just such a nice way to connect human kindness through a very old but purposeful yeah. exercise. And I know you're a writer, so you appreciate, yeah. you know, might appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. No, I think writing has always been an outlet for me. I mean, I was a diary keeper and a journaler all through college and adulthood. And really, it just, I kind of just 
abandoned it, not intentionally, but I, I ran out of time for it at a certain point in my adulthood. And I re-engaged in it after I had my boys because although I don't write to them as often as I want mm-hmm. to in their journals, I love the fact that I'm capturing the in-between moments and not the milestones that tell the stories of who they are at their core being and like their per- their personal life story with their full personality and not just images and snapshots and time, that. you know? I love that you're sort of filling in the blanks, right? Like I have really vivid memories yeah. of the things I have photographs of, but not the in-between mm-hmm. spaces. And so I love that you're yeah, capturing exactly. that. You know, I don't believe that you have to write a lot or for a long time. The pen to paper methodology yeah. is seven minutes. Um, there is some science to the yeah. efficacy of seven minutes. I also think just mentally, because it's not 10 uh-huh. and it's more than five, that you sort of set yourself up to say like, oh, I can do that. Um, but seven minutes yeah. of writing has a very dynamic impact on the body. It's almost equatable to nearly 20 minutes of meditation because it, yeah, it forces. Oh, wow. It forces I didn't know that. Maybe that's why I like writing. <laughs> it also feels good because you're using a muscle that you don't use often, which is, again, sort of that left brain. But what happens in our, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, our body is set up, our nervous system is, is separated into pieces. So there's the parasympathetic nervous system, so that rest and digest, and then the other, which is your sympathetic nervous system, which is, you know, fight or flight. The way the body is designed is it's not that one is on and the other is off. One is always active, and then the other requires repair. So the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest, digest, the relax, the, you know, turn off the anxiety, you actually have to work at it to give it its uh, Mm -hmm. ability to repair itself because we're always on. And now because we're in front of screens and in front of TVs and we're on cell phones, all of the pixelation from that overstimulates your brain, which then ratchets up your heart rate, which ratchets up. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's all the, like, up, up, up. So turning yourself yeah. off to get to pen to paper, there's, you know, your heart rate immediately drops, your brain relaxes, anxiety reduces. So it's really powerful, but yeah. you don't have to do it a lot. And it doesn't have to be hard. You know, I yeah. post um, writing prompts nearly every day. Um, on my social media account, which I know is the irony of that, but a pen to paper project. Um, <laughs> but that's where people, people are spending, spending their, their time. time. So I have to sort of go where the fish, where the are. fish are, girl. You know, but like today's <laughs> yeah. prom is going to be about the last time you ate three scoops of ice cream. Like, go back to the oh, joy God. of being a kid, or maybe it was yesterday. Yeah, exactly. A kid. Like, what three scoops am I? <laughs> going to eat? What were the flavors? Why did you pick those? And just that stimulates your rest and digest system. And we we have to purposefully work at that. It doesn't just click on like a light switch. So it's both powerful and purposeful as you're putting beautiful things down on the paper for your boys or to remember, but it's also really physically well, it's, you know, you're working at your own physical well-being. And well, that. and sometimes there are people are just people that jerks. do wake up every day just to make someone. <laughs> there else are people like, oh, that are just reason, but typically even there, like there's yeah, a reason. They're just afraid they're going to lose their job. Yeah. They're there's a reason. 
they hate themselves. Yeah. And so that was a really good learning curve because never since then, yeah, you know, maybe in moments of time, but never since then have I ever wanted to put myself back in that scenario and really do my very best to like when I don't like someone or when things Mm -hmm. don't feel good. Like the first thing I do is figure out like, okay, I now need Mm -hmm. to make that person somebody I admire and advocate for. So let's look at it a different way because it's just, there's not, not enough time on this planet to go through that exercise of, you know, punching the clock and and the sheepdog going at it every day. It's too exhausting. Yeah. Oh, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And it reduces your productivity. It reduces your pride in your performance. It, it does a lot of negative things to you. And at the same time, it's not benefiting the other person. It's not hurting them. So you're just really doing damage to yourself. But it's very, very hard to correct that and rethink how you're approaching it when you're in it. And I, I have the luxury of looking back where I've worked with or for people where I'm like, you, I don't know what your problem is, but you are a raging asshole. I don't get it. You're nasty to everybody. You hate humans. What happened to you? Who didn't hug you enough? But I didn't, they were so nasty. I was like, I'm not taking you on. You're also not going to be my project. I'm just going to see and avoid you in particular. And whether it's been a colleague or a boss or whatever, I'm like, this is just, I'm not going to give you any ammo. I'm not going to engage with you. And after I've left that situation, I've realized I've taught myself nothing by avoiding that person. And maybe the nice side of me and not the uh, fangy side could have benefited them somehow. But when I'm just, and I've literally had people where they weren't toxic to me, they were toxic to others in my presence. And I've actually been like, you cannot disrespect people that way. I've stood up to them. That doesn't, that doesn't end well. <laughs> when you stand up to someone who's in a, whether they're your boss or not, stand up and tell them that the way they're treating and speaking to others is not okay. They don't, they're not receptive to that. So the last time I was in that situation, I tried really hard to be an advocate for the people that were being treated poorly by this person. And finally, I just went to the HR person. I was like, listen, I'm not experiencing this personally. I get nothing but respect and applause from this individual. However, it makes me very uncomfortable the way I hear this person speak to other members of the team. I don't appreciate it. It's completely unnecessary. And it's downright nasty. And I was like, so I'm just saying this because not because it matters to me because I'm being treated well. (laughs) Others aren't, and it's a problem, and they're probably not going to say something for themselves, so I'm going to say something for them. No way. I wasn't Um, equipped. Like, I don't think your brain is fully formed at that point, really. And then, Oh, God, no. You you don't don't know. I just took it back then. You have, hopefully, you, you know, for everyone, I hope that they had good experiences like I did, where you have mentors that shape you, and then you get to a point in your life where you have enough confidence that you can, you know, sort of stand in a place and, and to be honest you know earlier in the mm-hmm. interview I mentioned that I have people illusions there have a hundred percent been people on that list that I do not mm-hmm. like but I'm like there's there's a reason I don't be, uh, there's a reason why I don't like <laughs> you there's a reason why I can't understand this so yeah. I'm going to put you on my list because there is that too is a really smart learning curve like if I can see somebody for 
who they are. Yeah, I mean, I have to totally. fix them, right? That that's the other thing. I think in your twenties and thirties, like I need to fix everything. You don't have to fix people. Mm-hmm. I wish it was as effective yeah. as running five miles, because well, then I would be really fit. <laughs> but it's really good for your mental well. I know. I would too. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I prefer actually writing on paper, but I hate hand cramps, so I always end up typing everything. Because I'm, I've always been like a copious note taker. Like when I'm, I'm doing like partner meetings for clients, I volunteer to be the note taker, because I'm, I'm a really anal note taker. I take a lot of notes, and I, I know that they're, they're going, the buyers are going to be overloaded with information, and it's not that. I'm doing it because I'm the woman in the room or I'm, you know, whatever, like it's a menial task. I do it because one, I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about getting the information correct for them and I'm going to do it anyway. So I might as well do it to the benefit of others because I'm going to sit there and take notes. I'm a note taker, but it's funny. Like I will get like mad writer's cramp (laughs) and I'll be like, okay, just ignore the fact that I'm typing on my laptop while you're talking and doing your presentation. I'm taking notes because of writer's so, It's a writing, thing. Even, even <laughs> note-taking in the art of that writing, um, it, again, like pen to paper yeah. versus typing, half dozen one I'm just glad you're doing yeah. it. Well, and it keeps you focused, also, too. Um, it does. Yeah. It, it does a lot of, it, it, it's very yeah. smart. One, it improves your vocabulary. Yeah. It improves your memory and it improves your focus. So you are helping yourself mm-hmm. as well exactly. when you're, you know, signing up to be the copious note taker. Yeah. There are so many scientific benefits, yeah. you know, it really makes me sad that we have such a huge population of, of young people today that are so anxious and have such high levels of depression. It's actually our, our youngest generation and our oldest. Um, and, you know, again, with, with this exercise, you know, the pen to paper project is really, my mission is to help connect people to something that can self-soothe and self-heal. And then hopefully I can keep connecting people mm-hmm. to each other. So I'm super excited about this pen pal project. So if you want to be a pen pal, I'm, yeah. I, I went from needing 25 to I 85. I could be a pen pal. So I'd love for you to join. I'd love for All anybody right. that's You can sign me up. You can sign me up. Or at least, you know, give a shot at putting pen to paper. I think you'll really see the benefits of it. No, absolutely. And I'll be sure to put um, the ways to reach you in the links in your bio as well. Um, and we've honestly, this conversation, you've, we've covered pretty much all of the questions I conventionally ask. Um, but I would love to know if you can outline for me a time in your life that was negative or an experience that was negative that now looking back on what you took away from it, how you changed or how it changed you that it's become a positive going back, even though it was not, nothing about it was positive at the time. You look back and you're like, I'm grateful that that negative thing took place. Do you have an experience that, that kind of pops out at you? I do. I mean, I'm, I'm like, actually, I'm like, oh, there's a couple goodies in the pile there. You know, I think one of the things that I learned the hard way is you know, I gushed all over the experience I had at Outback, and, and by and large, it was from beginning to end extraordinary. But I did have mm-hmm. a member in the leadership group that really it wasn't about 
me. It wasn't that he and I didn't have a good relationship. We are almost like um, there's a cartoon where like a sheepdog and a, a coyote go to work every day. They drive together, then they get to work and they spend all day trying to kill each other. It was very much like that. <laughs> and I was too young in my career and too stubborn, um, which is a personal trait of mine that I'm not proud of, but I was too stubborn to try to stop to see why, like, where was that reaction coming from in that human being? What what was the point? Like, wh- what, what was he trying mm-hmm. to accomplish with all of that pushback? Because, again, once we left the office, I mean, this was somebody that invited me to their house for beers. I knew their family, their kids. And I didn't take the time to, to like, assess the situation I just kept showing up to mm-hmm. work every day, punching the clock, and then, you know, going after it with the yeah. community and the sheepdog. And it really, like, yeah, interesting um, over time. And I just, you know, again, things work out as they're supposed to. So that relationship, you know, as we reorged at one point, I didn't have to have that relationship in my space anymore until I went back to better leadership, better work, working environments. But I also think, too, that it wasn't just that the next phase was better. Uh, it was at that time. I, I, I knew I didn't want that friction again. So I started, mm-hmm. yeah. I say, sort of listening more because I want to I wanna believe in myself that I listen more. But I really took a different approach and really stood in other people's shoes first. Like, if you can figure out how to get to yes on their side first and then figure out how you get to yes on your own, like, everybody wins that scenario much better. Um, You know, I also teach yoga, so it's very much a Buddhist practice, is that, you know, seeing and hearing someone first allows you to not be second, but for you to be sort of that one plus one doesn't make two, one plus one makes a new thing. And so it was in that time that I just, I learned, I wish I had learned mm. it earlier. I learned it a little bit later that when you have friction, when someone's consistently putting up roadblocks, that there's, it's not just that this person wakes up every day and decides like, I'm going to make her life miserable or that life, you know, there's something there and you can assess it, address it. <laughs> oh God, no, now I'm in the fixer mode. Girl, why I started winning so I could I mean, mama bear the crap I mean, out of every very, woman in our business. I think that's very valiant. <laughs> I just also believe too, it's a, probably one of the best lessons yeah. I learned from myself. And I had to do it through a, a really terrible six-year relationship. Yeah. You can't change people. Like really, we come out sort of, we might not be fully formed, but we come no. out exactly who we're going to be. You have to see people for the best in themselves and I think again going back to that sort of you know sheepdog and coyote experience had I seen the best of what that what his leadership was and where he was coming from and how he was trying to lead his group I didn't agree with it most of the people that work with him didn't agree with the way he mm-hmm. did it but if I had appreciated like I just ridden the wave it doesn't mean I still can't stand up on my own you know, ride the wave my yeah. way. It just, I, I, I decided to fight against it. And so I just, again, I believe that if you can get to a place where you can see someone for exactly who they are, there's always a way, not necessarily to manipulate the situation, but to organize it, to reorganize it so that it works 
for you better. And yeah. I, I think that it now, you know, again, I'm, I have been in this business, gosh, almost 30 years. That is a tool that has served me so well. You know, you have to see people for who they are. And that doesn't, you might not like everything you see, but for the yeah, equal parts absolutely. that are not awesome, there are equal parts that are brilliant that you can learn from. And so I'm, you know, I, I would say that was my big, that was yeah. a big setback because I spent three really, you know, probably good earning years, um, a, a good part of a, a great ex- long-term experience. It just, it feels like a black mark on a, a really good experience. And I should, no, you know what? But like, again, I really, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I think I'm a much better leader. I think, you know, it's why people sort yeah. of, and, and I, I, I love yeah, the compliment where people yeah. are like, oh my God, Jean, she's so nice. You know, behind nice is also very smart, uh, you know, an intuitive business person. But if you see that I lead with kindness and love, like, when will that never serve me? Never. So I'm yeah. okay with that. I know. That's exactly what I do, too. I know. I just lead with, like, the kind of person I want my kids to grow up to be is how I'm going to run my business and how I'm going to treat people, period. And you can't go wrong with that. Kindness it doesn't cost a thing. And it only adds value to the lives of others around you. On that is not everybody is going to like me for what I've like. I don't need, I'm okay. Yeah. Sort of, you know, again, I'm sort of looking at the millennials and now they're starting to be in their forties. You have now gotten to a place in your life where you've made enough mistakes. You've had enough successes where it's not so much in a, a blind eye way, but like, I'm okay that not everybody is going to love yeah. what Jane Portnoy is putting down. I hope yeah. that most of them do or are open-minded enough to say, like, yeah. her ideas are brilliant or her kind heart is something I'm, in, you know, interested in. But it's also okay if you don't. You know, my goal is not to be repellent, but I think yeah. that there was a long time in my life. Right. Yeah. It, you know, um, but you don't have to. Yeah. Exactly. You don't have to be liked by everybody 100% of the time. And that's totally yeah. okay. That's human. It's human nature, right? <laughs> I've got a friend that calls me her no filter friend. For women to learn, too. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm, I think that it came up yeah, in a okay breakout of witty, you know, not, not a formal breakup, but yeah. you're talking over a picnic table. And, you know, a lot of women in the yeah. conversation as we were having it would start the dialogue with saying, like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to put this out there, or this might not be a very good idea. And, you know, I was like, hey, don't, yeah, don't discount yourself. Don't discount it. Yeah. I'm not trying to psychoanalyze anybody, but, you know, one, you have faith in what you're saying because you're going to say it anyway, right? So don't, don't put that hurdle up there, but also don't apologize for the people that aren't going to, aren't going to embrace it. You don't have to have everybody on your team you just need to have the majority and so I think that that's you know again as I sort of move forward and as we started this conversation we're in a weird weird part you know we're in a weird time it's a tough time it's eye-opening friction always brings change so it's a really it's the tool I'm probably using the heaviest right now like how can I just really make sure that I'm yeah. seeing people as best as I can for who they are and work at their strengths instead of focusing on our weaknesses. 
No, I, I, I completely, I think we're totally, you and I are very like-minded. <laughs> I just hope that I'm on your list because you like me <laughs> and not because you're trying to understand me. Um, I'm grateful for being on your list regardless, but I do think that you like me because you did reach out and you were like, you're on, you're my goal. I want to get to know you better this year. And I was like, I love that. So I knew I was one of your people-lutions. And I think what I'm going to do is you I'm going to steal that from you or away. borrow it or I whatever. See this and I, and I, I'm going to do no people-lutions too. Podcast is supposed to be. So if I've babbled for too long, but I will tell you succinctly, the reason why you are on my list is some people say about it and other people do about it. And I was so impressed that you did about it you said I I don't remember where we were and when the conversation was but it was a solid year before witty became a logo or an anything and you said I'm gonna do this I'm gonna create an open platform and mm-hmm. network for women to connect support grow themselves blah 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 whatever it was it was over a cocktail it was really late at night I can't remember I can't even remember where we were yeah, And I just sort of like put it in the back of my head, like, oh, okay, you know, like a lot of people say they're going to do stuff. And then you did it. And so I was like, okay, whatever yeah. comes, good, bad, <laughs> or indifferent, whether I support its platform forever or not. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying like, I'm so impressed that this person put a pin in the map and then yeah. it became a thing and it's growing and you're. So, so that's why you were on my list because I was like, let me get to know her better because we really yeah. didn't know each other very well and we're still getting to know each other. So, but let me put her on my list so that I can support, yeah. guide, lift, applaud. Not because I, I know because I can't do it. I, I could not lift up Witty, but I'm so grateful that you have. So that's why you're on my list. You, I ha- you are, I am on team I think you could however you need my help and support but when people do about it I think that's the best I appreciate that again like put your money where your mouth is and go do the thing that's going to make you happy and going to really allow you to to grow yourself and so that's why you were on my list I'm so stoked to see even just in this thank you what witty has you know, now it's sort of like this living organism that, like a child, you just grow it and allow it to organically become the thing it needs to. And, and maybe it even looks yeah. different than what you thought it, it would be. But I'm really honored. I'm honored to be able to get yeah. to see people in my industry in a way I had not before. And again, you're talking to someone that thinks she's pretty nice and you know, I'm silly, yeah. like, you know, I'm not a, I think I'm a pretty approachable human, yeah. and, you know, tripping over myself and a bit of a dork. So, you know, I, I just, it was a really nice way <laughs> to connect on a very human level when we don't get a lot of that opportunity because we're working and some of us are competitors to each other and it yeah. was, it's just, I'm really, I'm really proud of you for putting yeah. money where your mouth is. And I hope you are very proud of yourself. And I'm sure there are times you are curling the you. ball in the bathroom and crying. Just know that it's worth it. Oh God. Yeah. Oh yes. Um, it is, it is totally worth it. Um, it's, it's, it's where my heart lies truly, because I knew I knew I was like, there's a need for this. And the more I talked about my ideas to people, the more I realized it wasn't just me. 
it was everybody. And I'm like, oh my God, how does this not exist yet? How am I the first person to do this? This is ridiculous. I shouldn't be the first. I'm sure someone else has done this, but I have yet to see it. And I knew it had to be different because I know that we're all so different and seeing each other in, not in a heels, makeup, business suits, pitching, meeting, kind of, you know, this glossy, glossy that we're always in at these industry events. I wanted to strip down and I wanted to see people who they really are. Like on the inside, I wanted people to lead with their hearts and themselves and put their title to the side because that's what Witty is about. Even though it's a networking conference, obviously, it's about seeing the people and creating that personal relationship that you may not have an opportunity to explore in a larger conference environment where there's hundreds or thousands of people or whatever, you know? And I just, I needed that to be something for me personally, but I wanted to do that for our, for our industry because we could all use it. We could all use a little bit more love, well, and compassion, support, and true friendship. out there. So Witty is not a girl gang to feel like we're more powerful than the men. It, it, it's not that, which again, I'm really honored to be a member of it. It's really a, a, a network and a space yeah. to align thought, thought leadership, support. Um, it, it just, it, it's something that we probably just don't have time yeah. to do. We want to, or weren't quite sure how to start it. It's definitely not a girl gang. It is a really interesting. Oh God, no. We joke that we're a girl gang, but it's exactly. definitely not anti-male. It has nothing to do with men. Like <laughs> women coming yeah. together is not a threat. Yeah. It's usually a really it's not a threat. <laughs> tool, you know. And I again, I because I'm a woman, I guess I could say this, but yeah. I think like prob- our our strong skill set is multitasking and problem solving. Like like. Whoever created us created women with the ability yeah. to really do that. Um, and so I think, you know, as yeah. we continue to launch challenges to us and, you know, initiatives and, you know, how do we help the industry? I think what you'll see out of it is wonderful solutions that come from multiple mindsets. But I just, it's, it's a really wonderful platform yeah. and a space that hadn't been. And again, to your point, it's not that we didn't like each other. It wasn't that we didn't it's just like somebody needed to say hey here this is yeah come come sit with us sit around the table yeah let's really connect um and so I'm a very very proud member yeah. and I've learned so much from the women that I thought I knew really well you know yeah I mean now we have I mean we have like this huge mastermind really because any single one of us can go to the entire group and be like, hey, this is what I'm stuck on. Who has thoughts or ideas? And it's one of those things where we benefit each other by our varying levels of genius to help each other. It's awesome. And I, I absolutely love that. And I, I, the other core principle was that I wanted to create something that actually just benefited our industry by putting the money instead of making a profit on it or making money on it 
putting the money towards poor and putting the money towards the witty group to benefit others. So I knew it had to be something completely different because I didn't want anybody to think, oh, she's me tooing this or she's tagging along with our idea or she's copying our conference or whatever. I didn't want it to be about that. I needed it to be something entirely different that had never yet before existed in our space so that no one would think that I was trying to steal their idea because I really needed it to stand on its own. So I think think I've mastered that now. You know, things will look alike. You know, it's like saying like there's only one pizza or hamburger restaurant in this world. Things will look alike, but I do believe the personalities of them dictate how they create the relationship Mm -hmm. with the outside world, right? You know, pen to paper project was born out of my real need to sort of find a healing modality for myself. It became a business platform. There are thousands of people selling journals. I'm going to bring to market a journal that won't look like any of the other journals because that's not who I am. It's an extension, you know, it's an analog extension of myself, right? It's not too big. It's not thick. It's not ornate. That's not who I am. I want you to come to the book, know that you write for seven minutes. After, you know, three pages, you feel like you filled half the thing because it's not big. It's not ornate. People don't, and I want to get more people to the page because I know that that heals and helps you think better. Um, But again, there's a thousand other journal companies out there. Right. So I think it's, you have to sort of find your voice. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But I love what you're doing. That there's a lot of other lookalikes because they don't, they're not you. Yeah. Well, authenticity is your point of differentiation, which we all know is critical in the marketing and branding world. What is your reason? What's your what? What's your why? All of those things. And, and you've nailed it because this is something that's true to the core of your being and that's why it it captures the attention and I love that the the pen pal project like taking it to the next steps to benefit more people um but before we wrap up I do want to make sure that you tell our listening audience how to best reach you um and of course I will put all your links in the bio as well branding consulting support it's um jpcla.com and for all things pen to paper project, my website is pen to so the number two, pen to paper project.com. And then my Instagram, and that's where I post daily writing prompts. So, really easy, good place to sort of check it out um, is pen to paper. And again, it's the number two, pen to paper underscore project. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm so grateful to have you on the show and I appreciate all of the, the stories and, and your ideas. And I really do admire your brain. I think it's a powerful, powerful machine. Um, Thank you so much. So I'm very, very grateful. (laughs) Mine does too, or whatever's in the curing. Thank you for an honest conversation. Um, and allowing me to babble for 60 some odd minutes with you. It was a real pleasure, my friend. Oh, no, the pleasure is mine. And thank you all for tuning in to Lawler Out Loud, mixing up the mainstream. <laughs>